With 203 days to go until the midterms, the problems in this country just continue to mount. Today we'll deal with a violent Easter weekend, more Democrat hypocrisy, and Fear Factor, the current reality show in D.C. Plus we have a special guest with a must-attend event going on uh, this weekend in Kansas City. We'll get to all that coming up on Dale Carter's America. From the heart of flyover country, he's not on the far right, and he's certainly not on the far left. Like you, he's somewhere in the middle. This is Dale Carter's America. Well, today is tax day. You all buttoned up on your taxes there, Kurt? Taxes? What are those? (laughs) Oh, shit. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, you're buttoned up, right? Yeah, yeah, I got it taken care of. Uh, If that knock on the door comes and it's the IRS, (laughs) we're going to know you're not buttoned up. Of course, uh, the 18th is tax day this year because Emancipation Day uh, was Saturday. They celebrated in the District of Columbia on Friday. So taxes, you got to hold on to your money for a few more days. And one more time, I've written a check so that the pharaoh will get his, you know, ill-gotten gain, the earnings tax, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I don't live in Kansas City. Right, right. And and I still think it's taxation without representation. Uh, Before I die, before I leave this coil, I'm going to file a class action lawsuit against this city for all the years I've paid the earnings tax. Because it's taxation without representation. Tell me it's not. I mean, that's pretty much textbook right there. I can't yeah. think of a better example. I can't vote for it. They vote for it every time it comes up for renewal, and the folks who live in Kansas City see all well, of us. Yeah, we vote for it. Yeah, we you vote. do. Yeah. I didn't vote for it, but we, the, but the, the royal we. The citizens of Kansas City vote for it. Right. And everyone who lives outside the city, St. Louis does the same thing, mm. and it was their answer to uh, suburban flight. I'll be mm-hmm. kind and call it suburban flight. <laughs> right. um, they wanted to keep some tax dollars in there, and so until we move the radio station out of Kansas City, which I wish we would because Westport is a hole, a dangerous hole, um, we're still going to pay the, uh, the earnings tax. Okay, COVID masks on planes have been extended. I know you have flown. How was that? Terrible. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's just the mask. It's 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 gotten to the point where it's like punitive. You know, it, it feels punitive, and it's just so unnecessary and like constricting. The the longer it goes, any time that I am forced to wear a mask is just like I just hate it. I'd almost rather drive at this point yeah. to be honest. But you know, you only have a certain amount of time. You have to get there. You have to get back. You know. I'm going to Florida in less than two weeks, and so I guess we're going to be wearing masks on the plane. I have not flown since the whole COVID thing happened. Yeah, I've only flown a couple times. I mean, I will say they're definitely less strict about it now than they were, you know, when it first started. Uh, Certainly in the airport, you know, there's tons of people walking around without masks, even Mm -hmm. though you're technically supposed to or whatever. And then on the plane, you know, it's just kind of like whatever. I mean, people are, you know, doing the chin diaper thing, wearing it below their nose and, and all that. Because I remember I flew last year or in 2020, and it was like as soon as you you do this, they're like, you know, it's like immediately (laughs) someone's on you. But that wasn't the case. Yeah. Well, I love Ted Cruz's comment on it. He says the extension of the masks, um, petty tyrants are committed to mask mandates, calling them petty tyrants at the CDC. So that sounds about right. Way to go, Ted Cruz. Uh, Ghost guns. That's still kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayor Lucas was in D.C. towing the party line in Kansas City as murders continue. We had four in one 24-hour period, including a triple shooting at a party. Now, 
were were they making ghost guns at the party? Was it a ghost gun party? <laughs> that sounds fun, actually. That sounds like a good party. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but he <laughs> continues to just harp on guns and not crime. Nothing from the mayor or the president on crime. They just wring their hands over guns. Yeah, it's just the newest scapegoat, this whole ghost guns thing. I mean, I, I guarantee you if you asked the average citizen – a year or two years ago, what is a ghost gun? They would have no idea. You yeah. know, it's like it's like people who now all of a sudden care about Ukraine. It's just the newest thing. I care about the current thing. Put put the flag in your bio. Put ghost guns in your profile picture <laughs> or whatever. And uh, but you know, I think you brought this up. I mean, how many of these guns are actually being used in crimes? I mean, how how common is this really? Like, is this really a problem? Would you? Take the time to put a gun together, or would you just go steal one? I mean, these are criminals we're talking about yeah. to begin with. Um, and, you know, I put that in for the podcast, not knowing that there would be three mass shootings over the Easter weekend. And by the way, I saw the uh, the coverage on it. Mayorkas might want to, um, to amend what he sees as the greatest threat to the country. Yeah. Just saying. I know that's not politically correct. Yeah. But, you know, him saying that the greatest threat, he's our homeland security guy, okay? Right. He could he could name anything. He could say China. He could say Russia. Mm-hmm. He could say terrorism. Uh, he says that the greatest threat to the republic is white supremacy in this country. Yeah, and uh, where's the evidence? <laughs> there is none. I mean, they well, and and where they try and concoct evidence, you know, they're they're cooking the books. They're calling everything. I mean, if you, you can go to the SPLC website and things like that, the ADL and and whatnot, and it's like you know, they'll have this map of like all these terrible white supremacist incidents, you know, mm-hmm. and, but they're including everything. It's like, you know, if, if a white guy, there's a, a domestic dispute with a white guy involved, they're counting it as like white supremacy or some, some BS like that. Well, you and know. you saw what happened in uh, South Carolina uh, at that, uh, the shopping mall in Columbia, South Carolina, um, nine people were wounded in shooting. They got one of the shooters they let him out on bail. He's sitting at home with uh, one of those, what do you call it? Ankle bracelet. The ankle bracelet. And um, he's going to be on work release until his trial date. Yep. I mean, that's what's wrong with all of this. Yeah. You know, when you commit a crime with a gun, I've talked about it many times. The solution is, it's not talking about the gun. It's talking about the crime and the criminal. And I, I'm telling you, you commit a crime with a gun in my world. This is Dale Carter's America, after all. I'd lock you up. Yeah. You would not get out. I would like to ask anyone who, you know, espouses this idea that white supremacy is such a huge problem. Why is it that people who went simply went into the Capitol on January 6th are still in solitary confinement awaiting trials for just walking into a building? Right. Meanwhile, you have people who are committing violent acts with guns. Yeah. Home, you know, the, on work release. the South Carolina thing, yeah. the, uh, the uh, kid that shot up the school and I think Texas or something, this was a few months ago. Obviously, no one's talking about it now. The Waukesha. Um, Waukesha. S- Waukesha. 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 I'm going to make a Wisconsinite out of you yet. Yeah, right. The SUV guy. Yeah. All of these people released on bail. Is that is that white supremacy? Is that white privilege? Is that us getting white privilege for, you know, being in solitary confinement? Not us, obviously, but, you know, white yeah. people being in solitary confinement for a year. You've been to Washington, D.C., right? Yeah, many, many times. Uh, so have I. You go outside the Supreme Court and there's Lady Justice holding the scales. Mm-hmm. What does Lady Justice have on her head? Blindfold. A blindfold. You know, why can't we just look at crime and criminals and stop making it about race? 
Yeah. Well, that's just not what's happening. It, and it's, you know, people want to talk about uh, racism and, and, you know, racial prejudice in the justice system. I mean, there is, it, but it's not in the direction that people say that it is. You know, I, I put up a deal on, um, on our Facebook page. Uh, the Wall Street Journal did an excellent article on the Biden administration resuming oil leases on federal land. Did you see uh, we, we got a reply to that, a very long-winded reply from obviously a liberal saying that, you know, even if you uh, oil's a, a worldwide commodity and because of that you can't really influence yeah. it one way or the other. Um, I mean, we can deal with that in separately. But, you know, if you just read the headline, Biden administration resumes oil leases on federal lands. First of all, he's going back on something he said he would never do. Right. Because, you know, he ran as the green president, green new deal. Right. We're going to get rid of all, um, fossil fuels. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm on some cold medication, so I may not be firing on all cylinders. No, it's okay. I feel, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was on 30% because of the float trip. Yeah. Now I'm carrying the weight. You're on 30%. There you go. <laughs> okay. So here's the, the fine print that the Wall Street Journal found, though. The land sales come with higher royalty charges for gas and oil produced and a sharp reduction in acreage available to be leased. Mm-hmm. So the devil's in the details. Right. Yes, he said that. But, um, yeah, he's, he's not doing anything. And what, what I would say to this guy who says we can't influence the worldwide market, how did we go from a net exporter of energy to a net importer of energy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I get what he's saying, that world events can cause fluctuations in the price. Right. But if we're a net exporter and we keep things fairly calm, there's not a war going on here, you know, we can keep the price of it low. Yeah, and that that argument just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you wouldn't apply that to anything else, right? Like, you wouldn't be like, "Well, uh, you know, food is a is a world market, so we don't need to grow food. Like, that's not a concern. You know, we shouldn't have to worry about growing food because it's a world market." Well, yeah, we are part of the world. <laughs> like, we yeah. are we are <laughs> part of the world. We're one of the biggest energy suppliers in the world, and we have the capability to be an even bigger energy supplier. Do we want to supply energy? to the rest of the world and at a net level, or do we want to net buy energy from the rest of the world from people that hate us? I mean, that's just the basic question. You can dance around that all you want, but it's like, are we going to produce energy or are we not going to produce energy? It's really that simple. And then you have to genuflect at the altar of people who really don't like us. And that list is growing. Yeah. And then the other thing too is like to, to expand on that, this whole idea of like the world market and, you know, uh, we're we're subject to you know the 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 world events and things like that. Like, does that really have to be the case? I mean, if we were truly energy independent, then maybe we wouldn't have to do that. Maybe we could just provide our own energy, and then we wouldn't have to worry about the world market. You know? Gee, that sounds like uh, how it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, just saying. Okay, well, those are the uh, the news headlines. And again, we want to thank Jim Dingman and all the fine folks at Funhouse Pizza in Lee's Summit in Blue Springs. We told Jim when, when he came on board that we need to do this podcast at probably the Lee's Summit location on 50 Highway. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. You guys will be having a nice interview, and I'll be off on the side playing pinball. Yeah, he's got <laughs> pinball machines. He's got great pizza, great beverages, and all that. And fun is in the name. So Funhouse Pizza, Lee's Summit, and Blue Springs. We, we really need to get that done. And, and what I kind of envision in that is a lot of the folks who listen to the podcast every week, especially the local ones. Mm-hmm. I know my friend Rick Rainey down in South Carolina is probably not going to come in for it. Although, Rick, you could. He could. He yeah. could. 
You could stay with me. Yeah. We went to high school together. Oh, so okay. It's right not on. like I'm inviting everybody to stay with me. But well, you've never invited me to stay with you, so. And I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I haven't yet. Maybe one day. Maybe one day you will get the invitation to Casa del Carter. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, Rick, you want to come up from South Carolina, bring your lovely wife Jody with you, and uh, you could stay with me. And um, we'll do the uh, podcast at Funhouse Pizza. It's going to be a lot of fun. We thank Jim Dingman for being a believer in Dale Carter's America. Hypocrisy 101. I mean, you know, this is a topic that I could put in every week. Mm-hmm. I really could. But, you know, these are just things that I, I rack these things up during the week, and it just, I don't know, gets stuck in my craw. Uh, so the Democrats were cheering the three Republicans, and I put Republicans in quotes, who voted for KBJ as great examples of bipartisanship. <laughs> That's what right. they're calling it. Romney, who else? Collins. Collins and Murkowski. And Murkowski. Those are the three. Okay. Do you the three know, amigos. Do you know, Kurt, how many Democrats voted for Amy Coney Barrett? I'm going to guess a fat donut. A fat donut. Yeah. Right. How many Democrats voted for Brett Kavanaugh after they savaged Definitely him? Definitely a fat donut. Actually, it's one. Oh, really? Manchin voted for Kavanaugh. Oh. And then Manchin was attacked for his vote. Well, yeah, he's obviously, he must be a rape apologist. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I thought that if you crossed the aisle during one of these things, you were a great example of yeah. bipartisanship. Right. It's all a bunch of hypocritic bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's the ends justify the means. I mean, it's... It, they, I think it's transparent at this point, not only that it's hypocrisy, but that the left doesn't care if it's hypocrisy. You know, they're, they're expecting people to not catch on to that. And they're expecting people to just be just like them. And, you know, the ends justify the means we need to get our people in. We need to promote our agenda at any cost, you know, and, and, uh, that's why they're winning. That's why the, the right is, you know, largely in a lot of ways losing, I think. 203 days. That's not going to be the case. We'll see. I yeah. think everybody is on board with that's going to happen at some level. It's just a matter at this point of what the margin is going to be. But we got to call these guys out because they think we're stupid. Mm-hmm. They think the voters are stupid. Yeah. Well, are they wrong? And you know, going <laughs> back to like Obama with with Obamacare, mm-hmm. when he lied to the American public about you know, what Obamacare was going to be. Right. He was lying to his own base. If you like your doctor, you can yeah. keep it. Yeah. Your premiums will go down. Because Republicans didn't support it at all. Mm-hmm. Zero support from the Republican side. So they think Democrats are stupid. They can lie to their faces about everything about it. Yeah. All right. Hypocrisy uh, chapter two here. Joey B approves ethanol blend for summer, despite the EPA saying it causes smog anything at this point to get the price down by election day. They, the day after election day, they don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get some folks in purple districts over the finish line any way that they can, and it doesn't really matter. So uh, ethanol, the the blend has been approved for uh, summer. He won't address the root problem. We just pointed out that when he acts like he's addressing the root problem, he's actually making that worse too. Right. Yeah. So we're going to get ethanol. Yeah, and, and I, smog. I've, yeah, I've, I, I'm not no expert certainly on uh, on ethanol and and the burning of it and everything. But from the little that I've seen, I mean, it seems like it doesn't burn as cleanly like you just mentioned. Yeah. Plus, you know, you're you're putting a bunch of uh, energy into crop production. You know, to because it's corn basically. It's right. You know, you're it's a corn byproduct that at is a time being, when we're going to have food shortages. Yeah, exactly. That that is being cut into the the gasoline and. 
it's also, from what I hear, not good for engines, uh, not particularly good for engines. So, yeah, it's just grasping at straws and uh, trying to, I guess, cut prices. But who knows? I, who knows if that'll even work? Maybe. By election day. Yeah. That's the thing. Because all they care about is trying to win at any cost. And then they'll go back to exactly where they are, yeah. you know, trying to run the country on wind and solar and rainbow farts. Yeah. And you know, we see how that's working out. Well, maybe he should like wait a little bit, <laughs> you know, like the, the strategic reserve thing. I mean, the last time he did it, it brought the price down by like six cents or something for like yeah. a week and a half. Right. So maybe like wait till September or October, you get that little week and a half dip right before the election. You know, it's only April. Well, October <laughs> is the time when, when stuff happens before elections to try and make a little bit of a difference here. We'll, we'll see if uh, that's what Joey B is going to do. Well, we're just going to try and keep them honest here as we get closer and closer yeah, to absolutely. Uh, election day. Absolutely. Fear factor. Democrats are terrified and they're spreading fear like Never before. Um, first uh, thing I want to touch on is a warning from the National Urban League. Okay. Um, a report from the National Urban League is warning that U.S. democracy may be on the verge of collapse. The Civil Rights Organization released its 2022 State of Black America report claiming that certain lawmakers, consultants, and violent extremists are trying to disenfranchise, delude, manipulate, and intimidate American voters and establish a one-party rule in the U.S. that works against black and brown voters. We must be talking about Democrats, because right now Democrats control the White House and both houses of Congress. My eyes 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 want to roll all the way back into my head and never come out. The report continues to claim that voter suppression and income inequality will precipitate the collapse of democracy. So is it our fault? For noticing how bad things have gotten? No. I mean, I think I think this is just another example of the perfect manipulation of language and, and the manipulation of people's emotions. I mean, you have so many catchphrases in there that just mean absolutely nothing. Like the, the collapse of our democracy. Yeah. Like, first of all, we don't live in a democracy. Like, democracy is not inherently good. It's not collapsing. Nothing about it is collapsing. And if it is, it's not because of conservatives. You know, you have a, you know, a single party rule to like oppress black and brown. It's just like, it's just gobbledygook nonsense, but it has all of the key phrases that people want to hear. And people are so dumbed down. The voter base is so dumbed down to just vote based on their emotions that they hear that and they just, boom, they just act on it and they don't even think about it. I put it under fear factor. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the things, one of the catchphrases I left out was Putin's price hike. Yeah. So, you know, as as we talk about this, I I made some notes and I want to know exactly what Democrats are afraid of. So if you're a Democrat and you're terrified right now, fear factor, it's pinging at at about a 100 for you. What exactly are you afraid of? Here's some things I came up with if the Republicans take control uh, this fall. Less government spending. And I don't even know that that's a guarantee. You know, we've talked about so many times, Republicans Mm -hmm. are driving toward the cliff at the speed limit and Democrats at warp factor seven. Um, So my hope, and I think your hope is, less government spending. Yeah, definitely. More freedom. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. More personal responsibility. I know there are some people who don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the uh, that's the other side of the coin of freedom is responsibility. Yep. Stronger border. Yep. 
100%. You know, Title 42 is about to expire, and, you know, uh, even Democrats who are in border states are saying, please don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to happen anyway, so you're going to see a, a surge like you've never seen at the southern border unless we get in there and do something about it. More effective prosecution for crime. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, energy independence, which we've talked about a little bit here. Um, you know, if Republican policies led to the mess that we're in, Kurt, I'd be terrified too. Yeah. But that's not the case. So pardon us for noticing that things are horrible and, and not buying into the blame game that it's somehow Republicans' fault, uh, the party that is not in power right now. Yeah. And I think, you know. What am I missing? No, I mean, I think you're, you're, you're pretty much uh, hitting the nail on the head. And I, I think we just need to start asking more questions, you know, because you can break down that whole thing like so easily, you know, like all the things that I said that I mentioned of, of the, you know, boilerplate talking points, you know, just ask what they mean. Just right. ask, what is that? What disenfranchise. Is that? How are we disenfranchising? Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the president himself said that tightening up the election laws to not codify the COVID emergency things that went into place uh, was worse than anything from the Jim Crow era. Yeah. Does anybody believe that? Does he even I don't, believe I don't it? Think it? I don't think it matters if yeah. they believe it or not because the the thing is like it's just emotional manipulation. So once you get that emotional uh, outrage going, then it doesn't really matter whether you believe in it or not or whether it's true because you're already uh, emotionally involved to the point that you're going to pull the lever in the voting booth. And that's really at the end of the day all that it's about. And the people that are being manipulated, they don't even think about that. They don't even stop and think, well, wait a second, Jim Crow, like, is this true? It, it doesn't matter to them. It just sounds good. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, manipulate and intimidate American voters and establish one-party rule in the U.S. Uh, that's just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, if you, if you buy into that, you're probably terrified because you know that what, what was the – it's uh, 203 days to go. Uh, there's going to be a red tsunami like you've never seen because – of what's happened in you know since Joe Biden's taken over. Yeah, yeah. So um, I wanted to talk about the politics of crime in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, how the story changed when a black man was the suspect. You remember the story that we're talking about, right? The Brooklyn uh, Frank subway James, shooting, the yeah. subway shooter, and all that. Um, CNN dropped race as a descriptor. They were looking for the guy, right? Mm-hmm. And they dropped the fact that he was a black male. It was a heavy set male in a green shirt. Yeah, they had his shirt and his hat in yeah. the description. Like, yeah. uh, you and, might take those off. <laughs> an MSNBC anchor, when it became clear that Frank James was a black male, mm-hmm. said, damn, damn, damn. Yeah. And then the MSNBC site dropped the story and made their headline a story about Jared Kushner. Yep. So Frank James allowed to spew hate on social media, sought bail, <laughs> and was denied for now. Yep. You have to wonder if uh, Kamala is going to come to his rescue. Who knows? I mean, I, I think, you know, they the story is already going away. I mean, it, it, it's going out of the news cycle already. But, uh, yeah, and you, you brought up his, his uh, social media feeds and stuff. I mean, on Facebook, he was, like, calling for genocide of white people and shit, like, right. on Facebook. And he, he wasn't banned. He wasn't shadow banned. He wasn't suspended no. temporarily or anything. White motherfuckers, this is what they do. 
Ultimately, at the end of the day, they kill and commit genocide against each, each other. What do you think they can? What do you think they're going to do to your black ass? That's your friend. You got a white friend, really? They're going to kill you, n***a. They're going to kill you. No, they're going to torture you first. They're going to f*** you up first, real good. So, he, he doesn't even like... KBJ, the, the newest Supreme Court justice, because she has a white husband. Right. Doesn't think the races should be mixing. Right. So who's the bigot here? Yeah. And and again, just going back to this idea of white supremacy, I mean, just imagine if the races were reversed. You know, imagine if there was a MAGA hat wearing, uh, you know, redneck who went to a subway and started shooting people and then it turns out you know that he's got like pro-trump you know right-wing yeah. content on his facebook page i mean we would never hear the end of it i mean you it would you still think, be on you think that george floyd was in the news yeah. for a long time yeah forget about it yeah. i mean this would be like the calling card of every single democrat politician for 30 50 years i mean seriously so when the reality happens and we see things like this in south carolina and i haven't even mentioned pittsburgh yet they yeah. had one uh, Portland had a mass shooting over the weekend, yeah. um, and I did not see race on that. I did see the race in Pittsburgh. I saw the race in South Carolina. Um, and those stories, like you said, they evaporate into thin air. There was another one. Uh, I don't know if anyone was necessarily shot or how many people, but I saw a video uh, last night. There was another one in Houston at their uh, their like major mall, their like big fancy mall in Houston. There was a bunch of people in the parking lot shooting at each other. And uh, let me just say, white supremacy is not uh, <laughs> it's not involved. So I wonder if Mayorkas is going to make it long term. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, how he can stand up with a straight face and say that. You know, another thing that, that evaporated into thin air was the whipping of migrants mm-hmm. at the border by Border Patrol agents. Mm-hmm. You know, when that came out the, and, and they, they looked into it, they had an investigation, and it turned out that they were doing exactly what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Biden even went out and said they were going to there was going to be harsh discipline over all of this, right? Because he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, right? You know, uh, it. I think it's important when you lead at any level to know what you don't know, mm-hmm. okay? And what you don't know, you should bring in experts, okay? I know a little bit about this from running a radio station for forty years, mm-hmm. okay? The things I don't know, I bring in experts for. I don't go out there and shoot from the hip and talk about shit that I don't know anything about. That is so true, man. That is so true. Uh, it's very important to know what you don't know because there are, you know, there are sort of, I forget, there was some famous intellectual that broke this down, but there's like different classifications of knowledge. There's like the known known, there's the known unknown, and there's the unknown known, meaning what you know that you know, what you don't know that, what you know that you don't know, and then what you don't know that you don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to see Kamala Harris do that. That whole thing yeah, you just yeah, did. Yeah. That well, whole I, I kind of screwed it up too, but <laughs> I, I think she would do worse. But uh, but yeah, and, and and again, just just going back to you know the, this whole narrative of the white supremacy and everything like that. I mean, the, there's a reason that these stories go away so quickly. It's because it doesn't fit the narrative. It's because if you actually look at what's going on, you'll see that. No, it's actually like the opposite that's happening. You yeah. know, if you if you look at these crimes and you look at the crime statistics and everything else and and bail reform and all this stuff, it's the opposite of what we're being told. And specifically, you know, like with the the uh, border patrol thing, this goes into the whole 
media manipulation of the narrative and language and everything like that because what they'll do with all these stories is they'll come out with the headline. The headline says, Border Patrol agents whipping migrants at the border. And then you find out that that's not not actually the case, but the narrative has already been set. And then you'll get a correction, you know, on line 83 of a story well, like in, in small little italic print, like actually, right. but they never come out and Page say. Page 55 of the uh, news section of exactly. the New York Times. Yeah. I, I did think it was interesting that Frank James is allowed to have this this huge, you know, media presence and all that, uh, that um, Putin is, is allowed to be on Twitter and Donald Trump is still not allowed to be on Twitter. He's like the the biggest pariah in the world. Twitter won't let him on. Uh, and I wonder, will that change if Elon Musk ends up buying Twitter? Because that was the big story last week. Yeah, I sure hope so, man. I, I I know you and I have disagreements about Donald Trump's personality, but man, do I miss that guy on Twitter. Oh, man. It would be so good to have him back. Yeah, I mean, I... It would be so good. <laughs> I just felt like when he was president, you know, I, I wanted to... I love his policies. Don't get me wrong. His policies are needed right now in this country. You know, yeah. Biden keeps going on and on about how many jobs he's created, mm-hmm. and which is complete bullshit, because we shut the economy down during COVID. Mm-hmm. So the jobs are coming back. I'm not sure how you can count those as things happening because of Biden's policies. Yeah. You know, I, I saw a Democrat uh, spokesperson on a panel on Fox News over the weekend, and you know, he was talking about all the jobs that Joe Biden has created, how great this economy is, blah, 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 blah. And then he said, you know, Republicans, you don't have a plan. And and the Republican guy goes, well, first of all, you guys have the White House, the House, and the Senate. So it's your ball game. You don't mm-hmm. need us to do anything right now. And secondly, we do have a plan. We don't want to spend $6 trillion in monopoly money, okay? Yeah. We want to get energy independent. We want to harden up the southern border. So there are plans in place, but that's their new thing. It's like Republicans don't have a plan. Well, here's a new talking point for Republicans. You know, maybe that could be used. Like sometimes not having a plan is not a bad thing. No. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like why do we need to have a plan for everything? Why can't we just let things happen the way that they're supposed to and get out of the way? Maybe not having a plan is, is good. Sometimes government is the problem. Yeah. And I think government is a huge part of the problem right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my thought on this whole Twitter thing, first of all, was I don't really care. I got off Twitter because, you know, I found it more a pain in the ass and more of a problem than it was a help to me. Right. So I got off Twitter. So what would happen if um, Republicans everywhere just said, screw you, Twitter, we're just going to take our ball and go home? And yep. it can be your own little circle jerk fest, and all you lefties can spew all of the bullshit that you say, um, and we'll just we won't be on Twitter. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it it is a big hypothetical because it is such an influential platform. Why is that, it influential? Because you know, and I, I'm going to challenge you on that because yeah. what I hear people say is the universe of people on Twitter is very small, but they're talking to each other a lot, and so it's become influential, but. The, the great majority of Americans are not on Twitter, so they don't give a shit. Sure, but uh, yeah, and I mean, obviously in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it's just social media. You know, there are mm-hmm. plenty of things that are far more important, but as far as social media goes, I mean, you have Facebook, you have Twitter, you have Google. Those are kind of the three main companies at this point, uh, maybe TikTok, but 
you know, Twitter is influential in, in terms of uh, the, the public narrative, in terms of the media cycle, in terms of even policy in a lot of cases. Um, you know, like uh, the, the Florida uh, parental rights bill that is everyone's you talking about. You mean the don't say gay bill? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how they're couching it. Yeah. Well, I've heard people say this, and I think there may be some truth to it. There's this Twitter account that's called Libs of TikTok. And it's all videos of like these crazy lefties talking about gender theory and like teaching trans in the classroom. And there's like teachers on there and everything like that. And it has, I think now over a million followers and it's the videos on Twitter have many millions of, uh, of views. And I've heard the argument made that that single Twitter account probably influenced that Florida bill in a great deal because, you know, you see who's sharing what you see, mm. uh, you know, things coming across people's radar and it does make a difference. Um, and, but to your point about people like leaving Twitter, I think it is possible, but it's just, uh, it would take such like a singular event for that to happen because you could have people kind of trickling out or yeah. trickling in, but it, in order to have like this unified thing where all conservatives are just going to all leave at the same time. I'm not a big boycott guy. I just, I vote with my dollars and I vote with what I pay attention to. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to take my dollars somewhere else. I'm happy to take my attention somewhere else. But yeah, I'm assuming you're talking about Elon, you know, buying Twitter and, and I I do think that they're freaking out on the left about that. Oh, which is great. I mean, honestly, I think we're at the point pretty much on every issue where if, the left is like, you know, triggered over it, then it's probably a good thing. You know, (laughs) that's why I put this all under fear factor, because Democrats, when you see them, they are terrified. Oh, my God, the Republicans are about to take over. And and it just led me down the road of what are you afraid of? Yeah. What is what is it the Republicans are going to do? What what's in their policy that you're afraid of? What they're really afraid of is losing their monopoly over the narrative. That's what they're really afraid of. And in, in the case of Twitter specifically, I mean, the the entire board is is left wing. The company is left wing. Right. The uh, all of the investors in Twitter right now are supportive of this narrative because it's making them a lot of money. And it's interesting because you have people I think it was on MSNBC or somewhere, and I'll try and find the clip. There are real and devastating consequences for using that platform to lie. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it. We've seen it yes. happen. I, I wonder, you know, when talking about this, it's, you know, it's kind of funny. Oh, Elon wants, Musk want, wants to yeah, buy it. But sure. there are massive life and globe altering, altering consequences for just letting people mm-hmm. run wild on the thing. Yes, 100 percent. But that's Facebook is really the, yeah. where the real action is in that. So that's this is a very small company. People, It has an outsized influence because media people like it, politicians, world leaders um, and Elon Musk. And so one of the issues is if he's not going to do this. And by the way, Twitter and some of its biggest investors uh, like uh, Prince uh, Al-Walid uh, bin Talal are saying no and they're putting poison pills in. Mm. Um, what is he going to do? Uh, he's going to have to somehow unload this 10 percent stake speech is violence and like he's going to allow people to say dangerous and hateful things meanwhile i mean you can look at the current uh stakeholders in twitter it's like the saudi princes it's blackrock like the largest uh real estate you know conglomerate in the world that's has all kinds of shady monetary ties yeah it's all these people that like you know like foreign leaders and stuff i mean uh, so you're saying that you want to keep 
Twitter with the Saudi prince instead of, you know, with uh, with Elon Musk. And then, of course, there's the the funny angle, which is, uh, you know, this would be the first uh, major social media company owned by an African-American. So we have that to look forward to. All right. Because Elon is South African. I did not know that. Yes. So just kind of threw me a curveball because yeah. I'm thinking <laughs> I, I've confused. seen his face. Like, yeah. and it's like um, he, Elon yeah. Musk is is indeed an African-American. So we could have our first African-American social media company. All right. Well, go Elon. Uh, we'll see. We'll continue to track this and see how it goes. Up next, special guest Paul Chapa with a must-attend event. Um, if, you, if you love veterans, if you support the military and you live in the Kansas City area, a huge event coming up this Saturday, and we'll talk to Paul Chapa coming up next. Well, we have a special guest with us. Paul Chapa is here. You're with an organization called FISH. I see it right on your shirt. That's right. Tell yeah. me what FISH is. So Friends in Service of Heroes is a 501c3. Initially, uh, when I started this in 2013, it was called Food Industry Serving Heroes FISH. Uh, and and I'm, me being in the food industry, on a trade journal for the grocery industry, that's how it all started. I just, after 9-11, wanted to help someone, you know, go feed someone. And sure enough, I meet a, a Marine Colonel that introduces me to a Marine General. Next thing we know, we're doing what we call our Heroes Dinner at Cherry Point, North Carolina, where the General was the host and the honorees were the, the young Marines and the spouses. And we did about four or five of those, Dale. And then one night after one of the dinners, we're outside having a, a debrief, a scotch and a cigar. And the Commanding General, who was aloof all night, finally, uh, I got his finally got his attention and he said uh you know uh that he'd lost three marines earlier that morning and and uh, he made a statement to me that i'll never forget he said america will never know these these young marines except for their their mommies and daddies and fellow marines because america's not at war i didn't know what he meant by that deal what, what do you mean america's not at war paul it's 2013 america's not at war they're at the mall and it Interesting. was that statement that yeah. just pierced my spirit. Because we were at war at that point we were. in Afghanistan. We were. Now, the interesting thing is we're not at war technically now, but we've got a lot of veterans who are back who certainly need our help. Yeah. And, and your organization uh, goes back to the Vietnam era. Now, I remember the Vietnam era when those folks came back, they were not appreciated for That's what right. they did. Uh, and now our generation is trying to make up for that. But you've got veterans from, you still have Korean War veterans, you've got Vietnam veterans. World War II veterans. All the way up to the kids that are coming back from Afghanistan. That's right. And that's what makes FISH a little bit unique. You know, most organizations that you hear about, it's always post 9-11, post 9-11. Well, what about those World War II veterans? Exactly. What about the Vietnam veterans? Desert Storm, the Forgotten War, Korea. What about Somalia? We haven't forgotten them. So everything that we do, when we say we're going fishing, that's a principle that we use. They never see us coming. Yeah, because the veterans that really need the help are never going to ask. It's always about someone else. It's always, you know, give it to someone else. I'm okay. I'll figure it out. No. In this situation, we've gone fishing. It's you. We're reeling you into the boat and we're going to help you either with a service dog or mobility chair, whatever the need might be. So we just kind of step in there and we bring them into the boat and they become kind of family. We kind of do life with them. Okay. So before we get to the big event coming up on yeah. Saturday, give the folks an email or email or website so right. that they can uh, read all about this, get the background on your organization. Sounds good. Our website is friendsandserviceofheroes.org and heroes is H-E-O-R-E-S heroes.org so friends and service heroes.org and my email address is paul.chapa c-h-a-p-a at serving heroes 
Org. You know, the beautiful thing about a podcast is they can pause it, they can rewind it. It's like, hey, I didn't quite get that. So <laughs> yeah. I think I'll pause and I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. Your sixth annual Armed Forces Day celebration is coming up this Saturday. Tell me what's going on. All right. So typically Armed Forces Day is the third Saturday in May. Right. But we've moved it up this year for a number of different reasons, weather being one of them. But the most important reason we moved it up is... The 23rd of April is the Army Reserve's 114th birthday. And they actually just said, is there any way that you guys would be willing to move it up? We'll call it an Armed Forces Celebration. So we're doing that. We moved it up so we don't have to interfere with weddings and graduations and God forbid the weather. And so it's going to be an extraordinary event on Saturday. What will people see when they get there? Oh my gosh, we got, we got, uh, we should tell them where M- it is first. Executive oh, Airport? It's Executive. It's in, it's in New Century, which is Gardner. Okay. The Executive Airport out there. <clears throat> uh, this Saturday starts at 9 a.m., goes to 4. We're going to have uh, tanks there. We're going to have MRAPs there. We're going to have Chinooks. We're going to have Blackhawks there. We, we're going to have a KC 135 refueler. This, Dale, this Massive. thing is huge, yeah. huge. And uh, we're also going to have the Golden Knights performing. Uh, a friend of mine, you probably know the name, Joe Everson. Joe is a young man that sings the national anthem and paints at the same time. Oh, I have seen that at Arrowhead, right? Yes. So Joe is coming in, and he's going to sing the national anthem and paint. Uh, we are going to be presenting a service dog, maybe two. We are going to be also presenting some mobility chairs. And, uh, you know, again, most of these people have no idea that they're going to be receiving these things, that the fishing principle that we talked about. We've known about them. We've known about their families, known their situation, and the time will come where it's it's going to be a surprise. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a life-changing event for you. Well, it's a big event. Experience. And, you know, if you're looking at the calendar, you do see that it's the third Saturday in May, but it's going to be this Saturday, this Saturday. Uh, in Gardner, and you're expecting a big crowd. We're expecting about 10,000. In fact, uh, <clears throat> parking is going to be uh, a, a challenge. And so I want to make sure everybody understands that uh, parking is going to take place at the uh, Gardner Edgerton High School and also over at Wheat Ridge Middle School. So Shuttles. Shuttles. Yeah, we'll have about 11 buses running all day long. Cool. And so it'll be easy for people to get on and off. Uh, But it's going to be an extraordinary event. Besides the military, we're also asking uh, Johnson County Sheriff's Department. They're going to be there with a bunch of their uh, equipment. Uh, now it's become a competition. We've got Olathe bringing their SWAT units. We've got uh, Overland Park bringing their SWAT units. In fact, I, I understand they're also going to bring Mike Mosier's uh, squad car. Oh, very cool. And uh, we got Lenexa coming, Gardner Edgerton. We've got the Border Patrol coming. Um, we've got boats coming. This this event is going to be a must-see. And we do hope that the public you know, the community turns out and thanks those that defend our country each and every day and, and also locally our, our police and fire departments and, and, and also their families. Because, sure. you know, Dale, you know, we hear it all the time. People thank uh, the veterans that have served and those who are in the uniform. But we forget that there's a family with right. a home for them. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we really, you know, pride ourselves in doing. We always, always recognize the families. Um, but, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a great day. All right. We'll have a great event. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share the good news. Absolutely. Thank all you, right. Dale. Hey, I have something for you, by Uh-oh. the way. You know, there's a military tradition called coining. The, you ever the heard of challenge it? coin, I have. I got one from the folks in Leavenworth last Saturday. There, there you, you go. go. All right. That's our challenge coin for you. I'm starting to get a collection of these there things. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah.
So, Kurt, that's going to be a, a huge event uh, down there in Gardner at uh, New Century Airport. Um, a lot of military hardware. Kids are going to love that, and I hope the weather holds for them. Um, I always like to do a little funny story at the end here, and I found this, and I thought it was just hysterical. Um, KCPD reporting that roughly $100,000 worth of stolen merchandise has been recovered following a rash of thefts at storage facilities in Lenexa, Olathe, and Overland Park. Police reportedly are looking for a male suspect who allegedly cut owner's padlocks and replaced them with his own before emptying the storage lockers of their merchandise. You know where they found the merchandise? I do not. In a storage unit belonging to the suspect. So he moved it from one storage unit to another storage to unit? To his own storage unit. Okay. It's like Storage Wars. You ever see that exactly. show? <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Maybe you don't. It's, it's, it's pretty it's funny. It's mildly amusing. It's mildly amusing, yes. That's it kind a good of way matches of how I feel on tax day 2022. <laughs> and to the Pharaoh, your money is in the mail. Yeah, yeah. well, don't spend it all in one place. Yeah. <laughs> Until next week, for Kurt Wheeler, I'm Dale Carter, and this is Dale Carter's America. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to dalecartersamerica at gmail.com. Check back for weekly episodes. Subscribe, spread the word, and give us a five-star review. Thanks for being a part of Dale Carter's America.